and welcome to the Tavern Chat Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tenkar, your bartender in the OSR, and this is another of our designers and makers fireside chat. Fireside chat because it's about as informal as we can get. And today, I have a very talented artist with me, and I just asked him how to pronounce his name properly. I'm going to fuck it up. Uh, Fear. Ooh, that was close. That was that yeah, right. See, I see. I just I I I, I said it with the I said it with a silent fuck right in front of it. So that's it's, that's. I, I'm that telling was, you, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, you know, and, and usually on 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 this podcast, the fuck is never silent. It always comes out. So there, that that's a rarity. Well, welcome. Thank you, thank you. Glad to be here. So I I was, you have a. I guess the word would be a plethora of uh, art and other projects that you seem to be involved with. Your art is stunning, by the way. I'm not saying that to blow smoke up your ass. I was just like, I, I, I need more, you know, funds right now. Maybe you should go back to work part time somewhere so I can get prints of everything that you have because it looks really damn good. Because then I need a new house to put it all up in. But we can uh, work something out. Stunning. It's really seriously <laughs> stunning. Stunning. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, now how long have you been? Uh, I mean, most most artists are like I knew since I was four that this was something <clears throat> I wanted to do. But how how wh- when did you get the uh, bitten by the the bug where you knew this was going to be your calling? Uh, I'm still not sure it is. Um, so <laughs> I, right, I that's an honest answer. Yeah, I, I just kind of go, uh, I, I go where the wind blows, I guess. And I, my background is not in art. I, I always, you know, as a kid used to draw and, and do things like that. So, but I'm not, I don't, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at drawing or painting. Um, you ask me to draw people and, and they will look like they've been through a vat of acid. It'll, it'll, it's really bad. But um my background is in is a, uh, in primitive skills it's primitive survival skills that's okay. kind of where my livelihood was since i since i sort of grew up sort of um but growing up is a relative term trust right, me right yeah i never really yeah. grew up but there we uh, go. That's the best way. yeah i learned some survival skills and things like that and then i decided i wanted to tan hides for a living and that was an accident too and i started tanning hides uh making traditional brain tan buckskin for a living and i what what I wanted I wanted to do that for like a month or two so I could sell them real cheap and go on a road trip and okay um, that was a horrible plan and because the amount of highs that we needed to do my my girlfriend at the time uh, and myself the amount of highs we would have had to do to, to meet our goal just the human body was not designed to do that in such a short time <laughs> so we only had a couple of months and it took me like a year to tan that many and wow. what, so what was meant to be a, a, a quick thing to make a quick buck then lasted uh, almost 10 years of me uh, making traditional buckskin and teaching that and other primitive survival skills uh, for various venues around the country um, so that was my background but I, I'm also a nerd, so I've uh, been playing D&D uh, actually for 30 years this year. Nice. And um, back in 2012, when the Hobbit movies were coming out, I just had the idea before I saw the movie, 
I, I had the idea that I wanted to make a primitive map of Middle Earth. Uh, just what would that look like? Because I, I was already sort of, I was working with bone a lot and making bone knives and bone swords, uh, some of them based on Lord of the Rings and the movies. And I thought, what would the primitive map of Middle Earth look like? So I thought, well, I'll make it. So it was uh, going to be on deer skin, and I was going to, I was going to paint it with, um, uh, you know, natural pigments and some right. sticks. You know, instead of brushes, I used sticks, and uh, I mixed the, I mixed the pigments with the fluid from deer eyeballs, and uh, I went on, I went on a first date for that. And then I did the first one, and then uh, seven years later, I'm still making them. So, so you, you've only been uh, you've only been doing this for seven years. Holy the, shit! The yeah, this particular f- yeah yeah this this sort of combination of materials and techniques for seven years. Uh, f- doing it full time for five years, I kind of got uh, forced into it by a bad back. Okay. And yeah. So I, I I was forced out of the primitive skills world by bad backslash bad economy. Around it was right around 2011 2012, and I did some odd jobs here and there, whatever I could with my back. And then um, my friend um, uh, just just talking. Then I made the map and I made a couple of other things and. And then my friend was going to conventions and he was like, oh, you should go. You should try to sell your stuff. And so it just kind of became, I, I decided to try it. And we kind of touched on conventions, but it's sort of a trap, especially when you don't have another job. <laughs> so you start, you go to one and you make just enough money to maybe pay for the next one. You're like, maybe the next one will be better. So you, <laughs> so you drop that money on the next one and the next one and the next one. And hopefully, eventually, you dig your way out of that hole. But um which I sort of have, but okay, I, it, right. it forced me to do it. And, you know, I'm like, okay, I've got no other choice right now and I might as well do it. And if you do something uh, for a while, you get good at it. So, but I'm still, well, learning. Well, you, you are, I mean, I'm looking at these samples here. It's, you know, you, you were talking about the, uh, the middle earth map before uh, from the Hobbit Thor's map. That's, Awesome looking, but then again, as a again as a D and D geek looking at the Sword Coast map, damn, really the Sword the Sword Coast. Oh man, that was a pain in the ass. I started that one. It was very short, a very short deadline. Um, actually, for for GaryCon twenty eighteen, I wanted to do I wanted to do the Sword Coast and Dragonlance and so on for for GaryCon, and I. Started and finished the Sword Coast, and then just barely started, and so on. But uh, the Sword Coast was actually a tough one to do because there are so many. Um, you know, every edition of D and D changed the map. Oh, really? Point, yeah. So to the point of 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 you know the main cities are in the same place, but there are some towns that are you know pretty important, I guess. Right. That just move what would be probably dozens, if not hundreds, of miles. Um, because the scale is enormous there, it's hard to understand that. And then um, there's like a—is it the King? Is it the King's Road or there's like a giant road? It's really long, kind of diagonal that leads. Oh crap! I, I guess I could look at my map, but <laughs> 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 but it's not labeled. Um, 
it, in the in the fifth edition map, there's a there's a huge high res image that that Watsi has on their website that you can get for right. free. Um, and it's it, the road just disappears. It starts, it kind of goes for a little while, and then just vanishes, and then continues on further down. And I don't. It's it's bizarre. There's no reason for it. Uh, I think. I think they probably might. My theories. They probably had an artist working on this map, and then either they they told them to cease and desist, or they or they didn't want to pay for it, so the artist stopped. I don't know what because like there's details that are weird and <laughs> that really does sound weird. And you can't blame it on like the uh, the retcon fiction that kept on changing. Over yeah, it's. Years. A, I mean, it's a. It's the biggest. There are like two main roads. There's that one and the one that goes straight down the coast. And so, and it just, it's missing a section. And then there are cities that really like towns that then move. So if you look at like third edition and fourth edition and fifth edition in the Southeast area, there's, there's like a whole clump of towns that just kind of do this weird dance and move around. So we had to, when I made the map, I got to shout out my Twitch, uh, my Twitch uh, viewers, because they were really instrumental in finding information on the fly for me while I was making it. And we sort of, Got all the references together and I kind of sort of averaged things out and and I'm like, all right, well, we'll put the town here. You know, it's a map, so it, you know, it kind of has to be accurate. But maybe the guy who made this map wasn't that accurate. They they didn't have satellites, right? So no, they didn't. <laughs> so we're no. good. Yeah, and then and finding I'm... yeah, finding the, the symbols for the different towns was also difficult. So. Ooh. Yeah, we we found like Dagger Daggerford. This that one's my favorite because we found a black and white drawing, barely a sketch, really, of two right. Daggerford militiamen in a Volo's Guide to the Sword Coast. I think somebody found that online, and that little sketch somewhere inside the book shows Daggerford militiamen, and under under tabards is the the symbol of the town. And so okay. I'm like, okay. There we go. That's what the damn thing looks like. Put that on. The rest of the symbols were a little easier. Uh, there's some stuff from uh, from you know from Baldur's Gate that was right. easier to find, and and there's some fan art out there that people made, so it was easier to do. But uh, some of the symbols were like, what the hell? It was difficult to do. It was oh, fun. Though. It was fun though. And then and then I just recently actually listened to the to the Icewind Dale trilogy on audio and, and brought that memories, but now it was, you know, I had the map in my head, so I'm like, I know where they are. <laughs> wait, wait, they, ha they have the Icewind Dale trilogy on Ori? Oh, God. Wait, is it Icewind Dale? Is it, uh... Yeah, that would be... No, the, Dark uh, Elf, the Dark Elf, the, the I'm sorry. The Dark, I'm yeah. That, no, yeah. That's, that's Icewind Dale. It wasn't it like the... Uh... There's the Crystal Shard, there's the... Yeah, 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 that was the Icewind Dale series. I think before that was the... Uh... Uh, Clara Quintet or something like something like that, but uh, yeah, really? I used so to read. All, yeah, I used to read all, back in the two E days. I used to read all of Forgotten Realms fiction, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It didn't really make a difference. <laughs> I'm I'm more of a Dragonlance fan myself. I see Dragonlance after the first six books. I was like, okay, story's told and done. <laughs> nah, there's there's some cool stuff out there. For me, that's that's the first world that I fell in love with. So uh, I, I will read almost everything. I, I admit there is some ridiculous stuff in some of the books, but uh, but there's a lot of other good stuff. Anyway, well then, well, yeah, well, here's a little transitional piece. I actually still have the uh, 
the what the uh, book of the inn, uh, the one with the recipes in it. Oh, I the in uh, leaves from the end of the last hall. Yes, yes, oh, I have. I, I love that book. Yeah, I, I, I have it, and and of course, I bring this up because you actually pretty much. I don't want to call them fantasy recipes, but they're recipes that are legitimate recipes, but they're fantasy themed. Because I don't really, ah. cook, I don't really cook owl bears. I couldn't find one if I tried. Although I, I did spot a possum. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this afternoon, I'm in, I'm in New York City. I saw a possum run across the street as I was driving. I was like, "Damn, I'm glad I missed him. <laughs> they are ugly." <laughs> but and, and and I don't want a possum recipe if you have it in your book. That I certainly I, don't want. I don't. We don't yet. We might someday. Nah, it's okay, man. It's okay. So that's flavor text. That's flavor text adventures, uh, which is a completely separate project project from my art. It is on Patreon. If you don't mind me doing the shout out. For it. No, that's that's uh, fine. I'm gonna. But, but by the way, folks, uh, cavegeekart.com is where you can see all these amazing pieces of work that we were just talking about, and, and much more. So uh, it, it's been bookmarked by me. So thank you. I'm happy. You're welcome. Uh, so yeah, flavor text. Uh, if you go to Patreon and search for flavor text adventures or patreon.com forward slash flavor text adventures. Uh, it's a it's my brainchild uh, that was born out, out of Origins Game Fair. Um, it was a weird day. I was bored out of my mind, and uh, uh, somebody asked me. I was actually streaming on Twitch, like I am right okay. now. And uh, my stream mascot is a Lord of the Rings cave troll because I always always wanted to be able to say I have a cave troll. So my bot is my cave troll. And nice. somebody asked, I don't know why, somebody asked, what would Cave Troll taste like? And I said, I have no fucking clue. But I know who would. So tastes the, like chicken. The, the, the Cubicle 7 folks were there, and they published the okay. One Ring uh, role-playing game. So right. I, took the, I took the camera over, and I talked to one of their writers, and we went down a rabbit hole of what would, or a hobbit hole, uh, of what would uh, Cave Troll taste like. And on the way back to my booth, the whole idea popped into my head that I want to do a D&D or fantasy cookbook. So, uh, and my friend Adam uh, has been playing for years in D&D, a character uh, called Alton Green, who is a halfling chef, Bard. Uh, who, you know, he uses, he sprinkles spices on his, on his teammates for inspiration and all that, you know, stuff like that. And so, um, that his character was just perfect for it. So I called him up and asked him if we could use it and everything fell into place. And uh, yeah, so we basically what flavor text is, is a monthly right now. It's a monthly sort of blog. You could say okay. where, where Alton green, the, the most fabulous halfling chef in the land uh, shares his memoirs and recipes from his long, long career of, of adventuring and cooking monsters. So every month he will tell you a story that usually ends in disaster um, uh, about an encounter with the monster of the month. It doesn't have to end with him eating it, but it's some sort of an entertaining encounter he had with this monster. And uh, then we have, uh, then he will share a real recipe with step-by-step -step photo instructions. Uh, we have an actual trained chef that uh, designs the recipes with substitutes for what to use if you can't find out, find owlbear. Right. You can, you know, what, what can you use as substitute from your local grocery store? Uh, and the recipes are designed for, sort of for your, I mean, your, your family, your gaming group, 
etc. And then the third part is the gaming content. So that takes elements from the story, maybe maybe NPCs, maybe um, a location from the story, magic items from the story, uh, and of course the, the the recipe itself. So what you know what happens when you eat that monster? Sometimes sometimes it doesn't do anything. You eat owlbear, it's just tasty. That's it. Right. Um, but you eat a unicorn, weird things happen. So. You know, what kind of skill check you have to do to successfully cook it to get the benefits and the risks. There's always risks involved. And sometimes, the, you know, other stuff for the game. It's, it's, we try to make it system agnostic, but let's face it, D&D, 5e, and, and Pathfinder are, are the easiest, most popular ones. So we kind of give the stats for that. It's hard to do something that's truly system agnostic. And uh, we, we, don't, we try not to world build. Because we want people to be able to to drop that into any world they want. We actually have Alton, not we. Alton has a section. He's a storyteller, and he likes to, to he wants to teach people how to be better storytellers. So in that gaming content section, he actually has something he calls pinch of inspiration, where he asks you questions about the story that were not answered in the story, to to encourage DMs to come up with their own stories and take those those scenarios and put them into their own adventures that's actually very very cool and it was funny because I'm, I'm 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 reading the one recipe and i'm like i just got my first cast iron skillet last week and i've already been i, I i've been cooking small meals on it to kind of start I guess tempering is not the word but to to get to get my skillet to the point where i can really start enjoying it as a proper cast iron skillet. And I'm like, oh, those ribs look good. Oh, I can do this <laughs> ribs recipe. Damn it. Now I got to go. The ribs are delicious. I, so my partner in this uh, lives in Indiana, and I'm in Georgia, and he's the one designing the recipes. And so I have not actually tasted any of them except for the ribs because those were the easiest to make. So for I think for 4th of July, I made the ribs. Uh, and they are they're super easy and they're and they're they're delicious they're absolutely delicious though you know what i have made the almost i didn't quite follow the recipe but the stuffed cave troll i did make that as well hmm. and i hear the unicorn burger is delicious oh can you see now i'm getting i'm getting hungry it must be that post taco bell hunger i guess kind of like chinese food goes through the path uh, what can I tell you? I, we hadn't gone to Taco Bell in like six months. So I was just kind of like, eh, let's do Taco Bell tonight. <laughs> Alton would uh, would disapprove. Although, uh, it's I'm sure. Orc. It's yeah, you know, it's like, you know they, they, they got those rolled chicken tacos now. Oh, yeah. My wife's in the back. We're like, oh, yeah. Rolled yeah, chicken? Rolled chicken tacos. They take, uh, I guess, shredded chicken. And they roll it in a, in a soft taco shell, and then I guess they uh, fry it real quick. Oh, so, so it's like an egg roll. It's kind yeah. of like it's yeah, you know, it's kind of like an egg roll, but you get to dip it in like you know your nacho cheesy sauce. I guess it's cheesy because it isn't real cheese, and an <laughs> avocado dip and some other one that you could choose from. We 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 went with the uh, cheese and avocado uh, dips. So, is it, is it avocado wee? Because it's probably not. Uh, they're actually, actually, their avocado dip was better than the avocado uh, uh, dip that we had up in uh, at a Mexican restaurant in the Poconos, which we, which we had 
we had a good experience with. We go up to the Poconos a lot up in uh, northeastern PA. Sure. And uh, there was a nice Mexican restaurant in a place called Honesdale. And uh, then we went back there a couple months later, and it was like a pureed avocado dip now. It was Ooh. like avocado. It was just a little bit thicker than what I would imagine avocado soup to be, which was <laughs> when it sense. doesn't. Yeah, when it, when, it, when it literally just runs off the chips as you're dipping them, and it's like, mm. Yeah, no. That's like, then it's like snot. Yeah, it's yeah. The same I, color, and yeah, no. Yeah, no, you know, I, I like my, 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 uh, my guacamole to, if not be made in front of me, uh, with mortar and pestles at, at the higher end, I guess, restaurants. I like it to look like it was made in a, in, like, not in a food processor. You yeah. Know, it's like, it's got to be a little. Oh, I, I agree. I agree. No, fl- yeah, yeah, was- Flavor Text has been a lot of fun. Uh, super stressful. Uh, we, we originally wanted to make it a book and kickstart it as a cookbook, but then we realized that none of us had the time to actually do that and put all the effort that you have to put in advance into a Kickstarter. So we decided to spread that stress over, you know, the long term as opposed to short term and then maybe not get anything for it. <laughs> but then like, here's the thing. And, and, you know, once you get the work done, if you're getting the work done through Patreon and then you decide that you want to take it to the next step and put it into, I don't know, a hardcover right. book, do that to Kickstarter, you already have it written. Yes, uh, absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, I, I am uh, infamous for uh, being somebody that calls uh, wayward Kickstarters to task, whether on a blog or on this podcast, <laughs> I've seen you do that. I've been, yeah, I've been doing it for a while. Uh, people like, uh, oh, I don't know, Gary Sharka, uh, Ken Whitman, uh, and having the work done ahead of time, it, it or at least the bulk of it, you, you've almost guaranteed success. And when I say success, I don't mean you're going to necessarily successfully fund, but once you do fund, you'll actually be able to put something out there into the hands of your backers. Right. Uh, I, there's, there's, there's my doggy going crazy. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'll, 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 hopefully, you can hear me talk. Come here. Daddy's gonna pick you up. Come on. Come on. <laughs> there we go. All right. See. Yes. Now, now you can be part of this conversation, or not. <laughs> now, now you don't have to be part of the conversation. You can just sit here. And enjoy yourself. She's a miniature long-haired dachshund. She's she's a perpetual puppy. Uh, My cat is not that big. and My cat's like 10 and a half pounds. This dog is 10 pounds. So that gives you an idea. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, but she sounds much bigger when she barks, right? Yeah, she sounds like... She's got that chest that she can just get that, 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 that volume going, so... Yeah, that's what they're for, I guess. Run down a yeah. hole and bark at things. Pretty much. When I was first podcasting, I first started doing podcasts. She used to always interrupt the podcast and always start barking. And and for most part, the last like I don't know year or so, now she patiently waits. And when she realizes that I say like a key word, like you know, you know, man, you know, all right, folks, manana or whatever. She's like, all right, daddy's done. Now I'm going to bark, so he should pick me up and hold me. But today she couldn't wait. You know, couldn't wait. 
You should edit those barks into like an opening sequence, your theme song. Uh, well, it, I, I, you know, it, it possibly. It, it's funny because I've like most of my my gaming, if I'm not running game to conventions, is on like a VTT, like Roll Twenty. And my cat is infamous for walking across my desk because she needs her own perch on my desk, so that's why it's an L-shaped desk. But she would walk by the camera all the time, which is why your viewers are probably happy I don't have my camera on. Because she'd always walk by and then stick her ass right on the camera. And just like, and, and all you'd see on the screen is, you know. The cat's cats. asshole. Yeah, nobody, nobody really wants to see mm -hmm. Except maybe another cat. But uh, I, I, I think I, I don't need to see that. Mm -hmm. So now, you, you said you came into gaming 30 years ago, approximately. Yep. yep. Started in What's, third, fourth grade. That was nine maybe, years old. Uh, second edition? Uh, no, I started with the red box. Uh, you actually started with the red box. I was just, I was just wondering, because of your time frame, if it's 30 years ago, right. it's probably... Yeah, so so my uh, I was in third or fourth grade and didn't know anything about D and D or fantasy, anything like that. Uh, and a friend of mine, I'll try to make this story short. Uh, friend of mine got it was on a TV show where he got a prize at the end. And oh, nice! It was just a, they they would give they would give the you know the winner or the, it wasn't really a winner, but it was a participation thing, right? And they would give them a game. And so he got this red box thing called Dungeon. And this was actually in Hebrew because I grew up in Israel. Oh, and, okay. and so a couple of days later, he after school, he calls me up and he goes, you got to come over. I'm like, what? Just, just come over. <laughs> I got to show you something. So I, you know, I run over to his house and, uh, you know, I was nine or 10 years old. And he sits me down and I see that I see this red box. With you know, with the, the that fighter, and the warrior, and and that, and that dragon, you know, I was thinking recently: is it a gold dragon or is it a red dragon? It's kind of hard to tell from the color that that Elmore gave that. Um, but anyway, so you did this epic painting of a dragon. I think that was probably the first time I really saw a full-on you know painting of a dragon. Right. Right. And and my friend, there was that solo adventure that you're supposed to do, you know, play for yourself. Uh, right. kind of choose, choose your own adventure in the in the in the player's uh, book of the red box. Uh, but I didn't. My friend ran that for me as a dungeon master. He would just give. He read the thing and he gave me the options. <laughs> so that was my first exposure to D and D, and that's it. Thirty years later, I'm still playing. Uh, so and then a few, maybe a couple of years later. I want to say, no, we were probably in high school, actually. We were probably in high school when we discovered AD&D 2nd Edition. Okay. And, and I actually, until until like maybe a year or two ago, it never occurred to me, I didn't know that 2nd Edition came out before the Red Box. Because in my mind, it just made sense. You have Dungeons and Dragons, which is what the, the red box, green, red, blue, green, black boxes, that's what they said. Right. Dungeons and Dragons. And then you had Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, so it must have come after, right? You start with the simple stuff and you go to the advanced stuff. <laughs> and then it occurred to me that that, that it was not the case when I saw some of the history stuff. So, uh, Well, yeah, because well, base, the basic box went through three iterations. So you you had the Frank Metzner uh, iteration, the last, the, the probably the most popular 
uh, version of basic D and D. All I know is as a kid, and when I say kid, I was a, I, I started playing. Uh, I got introduced to it at at the end of sixth grade, and I was all into it by seventh grade. It was AD and D that introduced me, which meant that when I found basic, I was like, who who would play basic? Right, That's for baby. That's for babies. <laughs> I'm yeah. in junior high school. Come on, I, I'm I'm playing advanced. Take a step back and play basic. What am I yeah. crazy? No, when uh, we found AD and D, yeah, we, we we never went back. And I would I don't remember any of the rules. Honestly, I'll, I'll admit, I, I, if I don't use anything, I, I lose it. So right, uh, uh, I don't remember AD and D, but I remember you know it had it had more. I would probably it, it had more customization, more more choices that you could. Yeah, make more classes than, than fifth uh, edition. Yeah. So. No, I I prefer those the systems that have a little bit more personalized touch to them, right? Except for Thaco, yeah, you know, yeah, people on Twitch are like Thaco. <laughs> Except for Thaco, we I I was I sucked at math, so doing Thaco in my head was just not. No, not, that's why we had the, yeah, that's why we had the uh, charts in first edition, Rocket, second yeah, edition. Right. You know, Thaco was introduced toward the end of first edition in a couple of the adventures, the modules, and then for uh, second edition it was all whole hog. My problem is. Is that games like AD and D, uh, first edition and second edition? Because in my gaming group back then, everybody wanted to play D and D, but nobody wanted to run it. So I was always the DM. <laughs> if, is that any different today? Nobody wants no. to run even today. <laughs> but my, edition, I, my, nobody wants to run. No, my my players that would run, uh, they like, oh, we'll we'll, we'll play riffs. My and I had a, we had a G, uh, GM for riffs or. But whatever. But if it was D and D, it was oh they they couldn't oh no no only Eric can run D and D. It's like I like to play it one of these days. But I, I ran it so much that um I can still like, quote rules and spell effects from second edition D and D uh at at, at fifty two years of age when I, for a game that I was running up until my twenties and that's that's actually scary because I if you give me a new game that's not based upon classic. D&D, one of its versions. I have such a hard time wrapping my head around new game mechanics these days. I mean, heck, e even the advantage-disadvantage from 5th uh, edition, I think it took me a couple of months to even, like, look, I'll go, oh, now it makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. My favorite is 3rd edition, you know, 3.5. And when I started trying to get a grasp on 5th, I, I, I kept assuming the rules were 3rd edition. And right. just and just with some tweaks, and they're not at all. So I just kept no. running into problems, and then and then uh, I had to really. Uh, they, I, there, there's a moment where where advantage and disadvantage clicks. I, I know what you mean. You just kind of all of a sudden figure out. Oh, so that's what they mean. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So instead of giving somebody like a back sale bonus, I would just go with advantage. That would that that's easy enough. I can figure that out. Yeah. Okay. Once you figure out, it's like, oh, I can just do this whenever, whenever the hell I want. Okay, <laughs> just as a DM, you just yeah. there you go. You've got advantage uh, instead of plus two, minus four, you know, all kinds of math. But my my, my true confession is, I've never actually played Five E. I have the really? books. Uh, yeah, I I came here's the closest I came to it. Uh, Gary Con, not this past year, the year before when we had like the heavy snows. A lot of people like, got canceled. Like, like even me coming out. I usually come out on a Wednesday. I didn't get out there until Thursday morning. My flight got canceled. I had to re rebook. 
And uh, Saturday afternoon, I'm at the Frog God booth, and uh, Zach Glazer, one of the uh, owners, mm -hmm. comes up to me and goes, uh, Eric, I'm like, yeah, he goes, uh, you're running a game in, uh, you know, at, at, at 1 o'clock. I'm like, what do you mean running a game at 1 o'clock? It's 105 right now. I'm not running a game. I I ran my Swords <laughs> and Wizardry Light this morning, and I and I ran it yesterday morning. I'm, I'm done. He goes, yeah, well, the uh, 5e Rappanathic game, when we had that big 3D terrain out there on the table, he goes, our 5e GM never made it because he got snowed out. Uh, I'm like, uh, I don't know 5e to run it. He's like, uh, you'll figure something out. So I went with a stack of Swords <laughs> and Wizardry Light rules, and I got to the table, and, and you know, I apologize for being late, and I said, I'm not the DM that you're that you were looking for, but I am a DM. I'm the DM and, you deserve, uh, not the one. <laughs> yeah. And I go, and I and I know I I I know what we're running. Like the back of my hand, because I've run it numerous times. However, I don't know 5e. I, I run Swords and Wizardry, Swords and Wizardry Light. So if uh if if we want to run with 5e, that means somebody's gonna have to be my rule book and it's gonna slow things down. And they were like, oh well it, one player was not comfortable changing things up, so he he politely walked away. Uh, everybody else was game. I, gave, I passed out. I passed out the swords and wizardry light rules. Uh, I had one player who couldn't make the the transition of uh, no, you can't roll to intimidate. No, you can't roll to detect lies or motive. Um, this is an old school game. Tell me, based upon what you've heard what you're thinking, what you want to do, and we'll take it from there. You actually have to role play rather than roll for it. Right, right. And uh, it was it was interesting. The players were really, they were good players. They, regardless of system, they were a really good group. And uh, as I wrapped it up, uh, two of my players were like, well, we're, you work for Frog Guy Games? I'm like, yeah, we're going to go there and we're going to pick up some stuff. Because everybody got a rule, you know, the four pages of rules to take home with them. And then uh, another two players came by the next day to thank me and to browse this, this Swords of Wizardry stuff, and and they think they picked up the full rule book. So I was like, wow, okay, that that was that went much better than it than it would have if I said, yeah, I'll do five e, because that would have yep. been a miserable fucking experience for everybody. <laughs> oh Jesus! Yeah, when I, I started DMing 5e by accident because I was at a I hadn't I hadn't actually played anything in maybe a year or two, and then I was at a party, uh, and one person was saying, "Oh, you know," somehow D and D came up, and and another and one guy was saying, "You know, I've always wanted to play. I bought I bought the box, uh, you know, six months ago, but I can't find anybody to play with me." And I said, "Well, I'll play," and then another friend chimed up and like, "I've never played, but I'll play." And, so I ended up with three guys with never played. They're all in their in their thirties, and but they've never played anything. Well, and, that's cool. Yeah, and I was like, well, I guess that means I'm stuck DMing. <laughs> so I had to learn fifth edition, and I never actually read the book. I, you know, I I, lo I just looked up the stuff that I had to. Right. Um, and I honestly, I I kind of used it because they've never played, and uh, I feel like most people, when we were kids, we would have rather read. The rule book, cover to cover, than read oh. you know anything for school. Oh right? yeah, I, I can't right. do cover to cover with rule books anymore. I can't. Right. And me I'm, neither. I'm, okay, it's not just me. All right. No, no. So I, and, and none of them wanted. To, I, I I asked them to read it. I said, look, I'm new to this. I don't know the system. 
uh, I know the older ones, you know, can you please read the book? And they, none of them ever did. They would ask me, we would play at least once a month, if not twice a month. And I would get asked, where is initiative on their character sheet? Every single time we play. <laughs> like, what, 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 what's this initiative? What is that? And how do I roll for dexterity? And how do I, but, but yeah, I, I kind of use the fact that they didn't know anything to my advantage. So I, I would say, all right, what do I want to, I want to introduce them to a new feature of the game. So, you know, how, how is, uh, um, I don't know, pick anything in combat that's, that's not standard to hit and uh, like grappling or whatever. And I would just say, all right, uh, this is what this bad guy is doing to you. And they're like, what, what the fuck? I can do that. I'm like, yep. If you read the book, <laughs> you well, would have found out. You know, Gargamond in our uh, text channel is like uh, cover to cover reading for rule books was just fine the first time you read it. I can't even do it the first time. I I can't even stuff that I am reviewing. I can I I always find myself skipping ahead, skipping over stuff because and, and not just because I've been role playing for years. I I just r- rule books are no longer as much fun to read. I need to yeah. get to the pieces that I absolutely need. And other stuff can, and I always feel like I miss something, and I probably do. But oh, yeah. uh, no, I'm like, good. Oh, that's a, that that surprised me, uh, especially with like even with the old school rules. There's different versions. They're almost like everybody's house rules. Whether you're playing Lamentations of the Flame Princess, Weird Fantasy, or Swords of Wizardry, or Labyrinth Lord, or Osric. Yeah, the, you you can pretty much run them all uh, quasi from your head, I guess, if you've been playing for as long as as some of us have, but they all play a little bit differently. And if your players know that you're going to, they're going to tell you, Oh wait, uh, no initiative. It's not a D six. It's D 10. And it's like, all right. Yeah. I'll, oh, this, this game still uses segments. I thought I forgot about that for my first edition. <laughs> and then initiative in D 20. And then it's, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's gets, or it's in D sixes from Shadowrun. Oh, Shadowrun is actually probably my favorite system. 3.5, Gindy 3.5 and Shadowrun. Yeah, I, I had the initial Shadowrun when it first came out, and my I could never get my players to play it. I that wanted to play the problem. I wanted to run that. I wanted to run Earth Dawn. Uh, they were happy with Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay. That was and and RuneQuest. Those are the only two. Like, oh, and I guess Middle Earth Roleplaying. Those were the, those were the non D and D fantasy games that I was allowed to run. Uh, and I really, I, and I do mean that allowed to run because otherwise you'd have, <laughs> oh no, we don't want to play that. Like we, we wanted to play when we, when I met a group of people who were playing Shadowrun, I got together with a, with a few new friends that had played Shadowrun when I was in my late teens, early twenties. And, uh, the DM, of course, nobody wanted to run it. I, I feel like for Shadowrun, everybody needs to, to like, like you need a really good DM. You can be an average DM in, in D&D, but to run a world like Shadowrun with all different layers of that world, you really need to be good. Because uh, right. it's got everything you can do in a fantasy world plus everything you can do in a futuristic high-tech world. And that makes you know all the options your players can throw at you uh, just, just kind of boggles. I would never want to DM Shadowrun because I would suck at it. So my DM was good, but his true love was Mech Warrior. And we hated it. So, but we would every few, every like couple of adventures in Shadowrun, he would get burned out, and we would 
we would amuse him by letting <laughs> him run a mech warrior adventure. And this there was, you go. yeah, he was one of those DMs. He was one of those guys that remembered numbers. He was a lawyer for a living. Oh, and, okay. Yeah, and he, you remember all the supplements for Battletech that were these manuals of all the different mechs? And oh, God, flipped, yes. And, and, and all the charts for all the stats for every different mech, he, re, he, he had all of those memorized. Jesus. I mean, yeah. I, like, I, came, I, I came in early on that. I came in with battle droids before they got sued by uh, Lucas over the use of the word droid. Which uh, <laughs> seriously, that's why it became Battle Tech as opposed to Battle Droids, and Battle Droids was so cheaply produced. It didn't have cardboard stand-up counters like like Battle Tech did. It had it was printed on colored paper. You had to glue it to like a cereal box, and then cut it out. You had to supply your own cardboard, basically. Wow. So. Yeah. yeah, but it was yeah. still a magical game initially because you're like, I'm in oh, this so mech. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, I mean, the miniature game, the, the the battle game was was awesome, and and the role playing game wasn't bad. I can, I can barely remember any of the rules or anything, but right. But combining the two was so much fun. Except that that DM was so good because he knew all the numbers that we had. I think the one adventure I remember we had two heavy mechs and one medium one. There were just three of us players. Mm -hmm. And he li literally ran circles around us with a, with a hovercraft that had a medium laser on it. Because, wow. <laughs> because he knew all the rules and all the numbers, and he ran those numbers in his head, and he knew that if he moved literally circles around us and ended his movement behind the mech and then shot us with a little bits, you know, and the pew with his, yep. with his, with his medium laser, and he did that over and over again. Like, we can't hit him because he moved so much. So our, our negative modifiers made it impossible to hit him. But he just shoots us in the back where there's no armor and, you know, kills one man, kills the next man. <laughs> I think we got lucky. The only, the only <laughs> reason we, we won that fight is we got lucky and managed to, to blow him up with, with a lucky roll. But we were just entertaining him. Every once in a while, I'd be like, all right, fine. You can run battle mechs so that, you know, get it out of your system. And we can go back to Shadowrun. Yeah, I, I remember with the, uh, the with the miniatures game, it was always overheating was always the way uh, I lost. Like, ah, oh, damn it. <laughs> I overheated again. But if I don't overheat, I can't do everything I want to do. This sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, really fun. So... Uh, are you involved besides the uh, the really cool maps and artwork and the uh, adventure recipes and stuff? Mm -hmm. Am I involved in what? Any other stuff that's uh, going on? Or, uh, or are you going gaming, to be? Gaming industry-wise? Yeah. Uh, not really. Not yet. Um, I'm hoping to. Uh, it, it was sort of a hope of mine to to get to um, uh, to do some stuff. You know, to, to have my maps in some gaming stuff, like you know, Kickstarters for Frog God or something like that. That would be that would be a, a, a sort of a, a good bucket list thing. But it has oh, not. God, yeah. It has not happened yet. Uh, there are a couple of uh, potential things, but I don't want to. I don't want to. You don't want to say when no, it's not going to happen. No, yeah. No, no, so, no, no. It's okay. No. I... Yeah. So there's there's maybes, 
but uh, but you know, you never know. Uh, I did. I, I gotta. I gotta toot my horn. I don't know why this happened. I really have no idea why. But at Dragon Con this year, uh, I had the Map of Ancelon done, and they were going to do a 35th anniversary panel uh, for Dragonlance, and okay. with, with Tracy Hickman and, and Larry Elmore. And I and I I messaged the the person in charge of that of the fantasy track at Dragon Con. I said, Hey, I've got this map. Would you like to display it at the panel? She's like, Sure, I'd love to have it. So I get over there for the panel to to you know hang up my map, and I literally mm-hmm. see a little a little you know name plaque with my name on it on the table. Oh, nice! Right, where the table where Larry Elmore and Tracy Hickman are sitting, and there are a couple other people. John Farrell from uh, from uh, is it Farrell? Uh, shit, no, John. Crap, sorry, I'm I'm mistaking his name. If you hear this, John, I apologize. Uh, but he's <laughs> he's from uh, Catalyst Games. Um, and so, uh, and he was on there too. And, and I'm like, what the fuck? Why am I saying that? And I, I literally had to ask somebody, am I actually on the panel? This, this is confusing. And so there, there were three of us fans. It turns out that the, the lady who was running it, uh, she in, initially intended for it to be a fan panel. And then, uh, and then Larry okay. said he'll do it. And then Tracy said he'll do it. And so she's like, "Oh, all right, we'll we'll still keep a few fans on the on the table." So we we just sat there, basically awestruck that we got to be, you know, pretend that we're, you know, at least be on the same table. <laughs> Those That's, two gods. That is awesome. No, that, that 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 is good stuff. Yeah, the microphone would come to us with a question and be like, "Uh, I like dragons." <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Pass it on. <laughs> Pretty much, it's like, why do you love this? Because dragons, <laughs> dragons rock. Yeah, pretty much. It, it was great. I still have the the little plaque with my name on it somewhere. It's like I need to have this. I need to frame this. <laughs> so that that was pretty cool. But other than that, I, no, I have no no involvement in in any of that. I do go to Garycon now. This uh, this year was my second year. Um, I did Garagon Origins for the last two years, and those are the only gaming conventions I've done. With my I've never, I've never done Origins. So people tell me I've never, I've been to Gen Con once in in two thousand when it was in Milwaukee when Third Edition came out. That the 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 debut of of Third Edition, the release. Uh, that's when I was in Gen Con the one and only time. And okay. um, that there's a story that goes with that too, but um, I don't know if you have the time. It's Go completely ahead. unrelated. So okay, Thanks. so my I was on a trip from Israel, just just touring the United States, and I was uh, I have a friend from Israel whose parents lived in Skokie, uh, Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, and he actually his parents owned the printing shop where they where they printed some stuff for the gaming industry. So he had connections. So he would actually organize can we we organize con- gaming conventions in Israel one one a year. And so okay. he, would, he would come to the States. He would go to all the offices of like whatever. I don't remember who it was, but it was, you know, the, I know, I know certainly FASA. Um, and he would fill suitcases full of books and then just fly. Cause this is back before, you know, you could only get one or two suitcases up to 50 pounds. No, he would uh, bring yeah. like three enormous suitcases, the size of like coffee tables that, <laughs> w- that were like two, 300 pounds each. Cause they were full of books. Right. right? full of books and he would just bring those books and that's basically how he imported role-playing games to to israel 
So, Interesting. Yeah, and uh, and stocked an entire shop of, at the convention with that. Uh, so anyway, so he, I was in Chicago uh, visiting friends, and he was there at the same time. And he's like, "Hey, let's go to Gen Con." I'm like, "What's Gen Con?" He goes, "Oh, it's the it's the biggest you know role playing game convention ever." I'm like, "Oh, sweet, let's go." But he says, oh, on the way, we have to stop at, uh, at one place. I need to get some books. And, and I was a huge, this is when I was 20, 21, and huge Shadowrun fan, right? And he says, well, we need to, we need to go to FASA to pick up some books. I'm like, are you fucking oh. kidding me? We, we get to go to the offices of my favorite game. <laughs> so we go to their offices. And, and I, this, you, you used to be a cop, right? So um, yep. maybe I shouldn't be telling this story. Oh, please. Uh, I'm 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 retired now over three years. Don't worry about right. it. If anyone from FASA is listening, I apologize. So uh, we we go through we go in there. It's in Chicago, and we go in there, and there's nobody there. there like a couple of a couple of ladies. I don't know what their role was, but there were a couple of ladies there. Everyone else was at Gen Con, right? So uh, they're like they knew him, so they're like, "Hey, just go to the warehouse, take what you mm-hmm. want, make a list, and and you know, and we'll bill you." So we go in the warehouse and this was like, to me, this was the Holy Grail. It's like the warehouse at the end of Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, this yeah. was it. It was like shelves and shelves and shelves of, of Shadowrun and Battletech and Mech Warrior And what was that? Um, oh, crap. The, the red, the, the, the flying thing, the red skies. No. Um, what was that? It was a flying prop plane sort of game kind of like red baron sort of ah uh, i don't trying know to think yeah i can't think of it either crimson skies crimson skies oh there you go. yeah there you go. yeah there's all this stuff right on their shelves and i'm walking around in awe while my friends are just taking books and this is when third edition shadowrun also was coming out or came out already and so he's picking up third edition books and i'm just walking around in a daze around this warehouse and I see a, a, a huge dumpster. This I'm six foot tall. This dumpster was taller than me, right? The side of this dumpster was taller than me. And I see a, a, a book sitting on the edge of this dumpster. It was basically somebody threw this book away, right, into the dumpster. And so I, I reach up, and it's a hardcover book. I pick it, I pick it up, uh, uh, take it down to me, and it's mm-hmm. so covered in dust, you can't even see the cover. It's just really? solid gray. It's, I'm telling you, this is like this is like some from from some movie, and I and I blow the dust off the cover, and it's a first edition Shadowrun. No, sorry, second edition Shadowrun, hardcover book that has never been opened. It's abs- like it was hard to open it because it's just it's never ever been opened even once, and it was in mint condition, other than being covered in dust. And I, I was just I heard the angels sing. So. <laughs> But somebody threw this thing away, right? And so I guess, I mean, they just came out with third edition. They had a bunch of stock of second edition, and they're like, what the hell are we going to do with this? So we, right. so I take this book. I'm, I mean, I'm shaking. I'm taking this book to my friend. I'm like, hey, c- c- can I take this? And he goes, yeah, sure. We'll just add it to the rule book. We'll just write rule book. <laughs> so we paid for it. We did pay All for right. it. But yeah, but I didn't, but it wasn't what we said it was. You know, I don't think it they because they, they, they were very it. thrown out. You know, right? Come on. Yeah. So, and then we went to went, then we went to Gen Con, which was amazing. It was the first time I uh, I met Larry there. The first time I had him, you know, I bought Snarf Quest and and all of that, and you know, um, and third edition books. It was great. Uh, but I hear from people 
that go to Origins. That Origins, because this was the whole point of the story. Origins is like a mini Gen Con. The, it's still at the point where the lines aren't super long, and you just, you're there to just chill and play games, and it's not as stressful, it's not as expensive. You know, Columbus is a great city. Mm. Uh, you don't, you know, the, the rooms, you know, hotel rooms and everything is not jacked up to the prices that Gen Con, you know, drives the Indianapolis economy. So I right. hear it's fun. Uh, as an artist exhibiting my art there, uh, let's put it this way, I did not sign up for next year. I did it two years in a row. And uh, I think people are there to to sit their asses in chairs and play games, right? Which I can't blame them. It's a gaming convention. No. <laughs> they're not, gaming conventions are less, they're, they're less the, the flea market for nerdy stuff that Comic-Cons are. I, I, right. I would certainly agree on that. Yep. Right. So people are going to Origins to to sit their ass in chair in, in a chair and play games. So they don't shop. If they're shopping for anything, they're shopping for games. So uh, yeah, it wasn't. So, uh, we not. I don't think any of the artists. There maybe the the guests of honor artists uh, did well, but uh, a lot of my friends there were just. We were, you know, we were, we were staring at each other across the aisle and shaking our heads the entire time. <laughs> Uh, but Garricon, oh my God! Anyone listening, please go to Garricon if you can. It is so much fun. Oh, Garricon is, is is certainly a, it's a blast, and it's you're, you're going to meet more people than you'd ever expect to. Um, so I do Garricon, I do Game Hall Con. Just came from, back from that a couple of weeks ago. Well, I heard about that. Uh, very well done. Very. Oh, it's, Organ, very organized con and a lot of fun. Uh, North Texas RPG Con. I've been doing North Texas now for six years, seven years, oh, something wow. like that. Yeah, that, that was the that that was a con. I used to go on my own dime with my wife. And what makes uh, North Texas unique? It's only about four hundred attendees, but if you're going there to meet, uh, you know, the uh, the 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 old grognards, the uh, you know. I, not just Elmore's there, but if you're looking to see Tim Cask or uh, Merle Rasmussen or Diesel, right, yeah, uh, you you have the same number of special guests probably as you see at GaryCon or close to it, but with like one eighth the attendance. So you actually get a chance to talk to people like Jeff D, or you know talk to people like. Larry, and not feel like you're taking them away from something. They're there to, to socialize too. It's a very, you know, very old school, low key, approachable convention. And uh, last year was my first time at TotalCon up in Massachusetts, and that was a very, very nice convention. I think that's about a thousand or twelve hundred people. A oh, uh, nice. Uh, nice amount of uh, old school gaming, new school gaming. And a lot of board gaming. I was surprised by that. So, yeah, that, you know. that's why I enjoy Garricon because it's I, I'm used to big comic cons. So for me, you said Garricon is getting too crowded, and it is for the venue, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, but for me, it's just it's still you know three thousand people is a tiny convention when I'm used to twenty, thirty, forty thousand. So oh yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. So it's I, I it's like going on vacation. I still have a booth there. Uh, and I kind of trade with my help. I, you know, take turns manning the booth, but it's just, I can just, I can, I can 
walk around and, and have drinks with Larry and, and, and joke around with a bunch of people and play games. And it's, 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 it's fun. It's hilarious and it's fun. And it's relaxing. I don't have to, to work too hard. So it's kind of like a, that's the one I sort of start my year with. Uh, if you can make it to GaryCon, do it. If you're listening and if you can make it, do it. Yeah, it should be a convention if you're an old school gamer, especially to put onto your bucket list. Yeah, especially if you like uh, old school D and D. Although they yeah. play the the list of games that people play there is is huge, and there's plenty it's, of fifth edition even. So yeah, Adventures a, League is uh, listen. Uh, Which of the coast probably uh, keeps that convention very much in the black when it comes to uh, monies raised because they have that. Whole floor for the Adventures League. So. Oh really? I didn't. Oh yeah. Oh uh, yeah. So, and you got a chance to see uh, the guy Gax children. I got I got a lot of good time with uh, Ernie my first time there. Mm-hmm. That was nice. So. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, I got to see Margaret Weiss and Tracy Hickman there, and I mean, I actually my map of Ancelon. I, I brought it when it was it was just started. It wasn't really finished. Mm-hmm. Uh, at all, not even close. And I had, you know, all of anyone that had anything to do with Dragonlance <laughs> signed the map. Nice. So, yeah, it was a lot. Of, uh, it was a it, uh, Dragonlance being my first love. You know, it was, that's an emotional thing. So I'm like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna collect these autographs on it. So, uh, and actually, I mean, it was, it was Margaret that gave me some, some advice with the map. And uh, well, it was really funny. Actually, at, at GaryCon this year. I started, I brought it to, to start painting it and I was painting it at the convention and I needed to know what climate was like in different areas or at least which are, which mountains are like, you know, should have snow on them. Cause that, that's important when you make a map that's, that's painted and, and mountains, oh, with snow, yeah. they, mountains with snow on them pop more, they look better. So I, I, I run into Margaret somewhere in the lobby. I'm like, Hey Margaret, I got a question for you. You know, my map, you've seen it. Like I need to know what mountains would have snow on them, and she goes, "How would I know?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? If you don't know, who would? <laughs> Probably Tracy, honestly. But but Tracy wasn't there this year, so she's like, "Well, you have my permission to put snow on whatever mountain you want." I'm like, "Yes, nice. <laughs> that's there all I go. needed." <laughs> that's all I needed, and then I actually messaged her after the con when I was when I finished painting the map. I actually like all my maps too to have uh, uh, a story behind them. Because I, I treat them as as artifacts, not, not art. I want them to feel like a real map that if you were in that world, someone might have made this map and you, know, and you can hold it and find your way, et cetera. And so I, want, I usually want some sort of a story. And a lot of times the story is my own. It's in my head and nobody knows about it. But other times if I have commissions, for example, my friends that, that commissioned me for a map of Middle Earth and a map of Narnia, they they are Tolkien and C.S. Lewis scholars, so they made up their own their own little background for the map. Like which character in that world made the map for who, sort of thing. Okay. Uh, with dedications and everything. But so I wanted to do something like that in this map, and I thought, you know, obviously, if I'm a Dragonlance fan, this has to be one of Tass's maps. And uh, I was going to say, okay, it needs to be a gift for Tass from somebody, and. I'm like, who is it going to be from? And initially, I thought maybe Raceland. Raceland sort of had almost a soft spot for for Tass. as much as he could, yeah. Right, and so I thought maybe Raceland commissioned it as a gift through Astinus, the you know the scribe, to give to Tass. And the map is blank. The only the only word on the map is Ancelon, but the rest of the map is blank. 
which in my mind was a to keep it from getting cluttered, but but also uh, story wise, so that Taz could fill it in on his own as he travels. But so I, I, I something didn't quite feel right, so I messaged Margaret and I asked her, and I told, look, I, I'm trying to figure out who would have made this map as a gift for Taz, and I was thinking Raceland, and she said, you know, I don't think Raceland would have done that, but Fisben would. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, oh. shit. How the, why the fuck did I not think of that? <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's, uh, I, I made it from Thisbon, and there's actually a little Easter egg in that map that sort of hints to that. And and anyone who, who uh, ends up with a print, it comes with a, with a chicken feather. But, but <laughs> I love it. Yeah, there's a little, there's a little Easter egg. Uh, if you look, uh, if you, you see photos of that map, you'll see photos of the compass. And right around the compass, there's a little Easter egg. Uh, that some people might might get. It's a little vague, but people might get it. Very cool. Believe it or not, dude, we've been doing this for nearly an hour. Well, it's, it time flies when you're having fun or, or suffering, either way. Or yeah, well, I don't think I don't think I was, I was suffering. <laughs> I can't speak for you, but I I was having I, I am having a good time. Like like I yeah. said before, we jumped into this. I go. Uh, the whole point to the uh, fireside chats is to be like, you know, hanging out at the local pub, you know, with people that you know, and just, you know, chewing the shit and talking. And it, 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 coming into this with a list of questions would have made this seem very formal. And that's why I didn't do that. That's right. why I don't do that. Nah, uh, this this was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm glad. Well, it's probably going to go up, t- if not tonight, then probably tomorrow. On the uh, podcast side, awesome. I just gotta, I just gotta uh, download you do it. You do this every day. I do short podcasts every day, usually solo. Uh, oh, okay. Ten to fifteen minutes. Uh, Pex, our mutual friend, at one point had me doing four, five, sometimes six interviews in a week. It was like going back to work. Um, <laughs> Uh, I'm trying to pace myself now that I've gotten back to doing it to about one a week. Yeah, maybe one, maybe two. And, and but you know, you got to keep it paced, or otherwise you go insane. Well, I'm honored. Then. Well, I'm. I'm. Listen, I, I'm very glad to have had you on, and I, I, I do feel like you're like a local pub patron, and that I've known you for a long time, and that we've. We've watched some horrible TV together and probably some bad sports and shared a few beers. <laughs> I don't know about sports because I, I don't watch sports, but yeah, we, we would have shared a scotch. We should do uh, this around, at, around the fire at Gary Con and that, uh, whatever that lounge is that has the fireplace. Well, here, I'm, I'm going to give you a Gary Con story from my, my first time there. All right. My first time there. We're in that lounge. We're back by the windows. It's me, Bad Mike from North Texas RPG Con, and Zach Laser. And they're sitting down on that little be- that long bench, mm-hmm. and I'm talking to them. And uh, unbeknownst to me, two large or larger gentlemen come up from behind me, and they go, "Hey, we'd like to borrow a uh, ten car for a moment." And I look back, and I'm like, "And and 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 both Zach and Mike are like nothing good can happen from this." And I'm looking, and I'm like, "All right." It's one of two things. Either these guys are cops or Ken Whitman has hired somebody to beat the shit out of me. We are going to find out what it is very shortly, won't we? And I get 
brought over to the bar, and it wound up being a total of four cops from uh, the West Coast. It's like, you know, they're, they're like, oh, yeah, 10 cars, we saw you. I was recently retired. Yeah, we wanted to come over and uh, buy you a beer. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to die today. This is good. <laughs> not dying today is, is always a good thing. Not dying today is a good thing. So, yeah, it was, that was actually a very, uh, it was very nice. Got And got to uh, actually meet Alex Gygax that time. I don't think he knew who I was, which was probably for the best, because I... He didn't like he. I know he didn't like me back then because his mother was frequently on my, my my fingertips when I was typing on the blog about the uh, Gygax Memorial Fund. But you don't pull uh, punches. I'll give you that. No, I I I, I, I don't. <laughs> but uh, that one I've taken a little bit of step back from because uh, I really don't think that Gail is 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 in a good space, you know, right now. And you know, we'll we'll, we'll see thing how things shake out over the next couple of months and. If I need to go back to stirring shit, well, we know I will. But you know, let, let's let's let the shit settle for a while before I start. Right, right. Um, yeah, I'll tell you something else in private about one of your favorite people. Um, and it's, and it's, there's a story in flavor that includes one of your favorite people. Ah. <laughs> so that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, I did actually go, if you don't mind me uh, doing a shameless plug. Do a shameless uh, plug. I just I, I set up a, a coupon code for your listeners uh, uh, on my website for 15% off anything. Ooh. So uh, just uh, use the code 10car. That's it. T-E-N-K-A-R, right? Yeah. Uh, just use that to check out. I am doing my, my holiday sale already, and every day I'm adding things to the sale and taking things away. We're kind of keeping things on for sale for 48 hours. Uh, nice. 20% off. But uh, I just did, you know, I added that for your listeners for 15% off. I'll probably take it off uh, after after the holiday sale ends or whatever. Or, you know, I don't know. Maybe I'll keep it on there. Who knows? Well, but uh, I, I will certainly uh, add that to the show notes. I. Yeah, the uh, links to your Patreon and to your web store. So cool. Gonna send, gonna send everybody there because you should be there. Do a good deed, feed an artist. <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's, it's the giving season, right? Yep. I remember that's cavegeekart.com. Yep. Yep. Tenkar uh, is your is the magic is the, the magic, magic coupon code. Yes. Yeah. And if anyone has a problem or anything like that, just message me, email me. Uh, if you've got questions, I do commissions as well. Uh, I do get a lot of a lot of requests for commissions. People, uh, um, you know, I never explain how I do what I do, but uh, I don't know if we have the time for that. Um, I do commissions, but just so, so people are aware, you know, it's it's fine art sort of uh, uh, prices. You know, so right. if, if you tell me I, I really want to give my, give my DM a map of their world on leather, I'm like, you, nobody loves their DM enough. No. <laughs> no. You might love yourself enough for that. Right, right. You might unless, love yourself. Yeah, unless you're going to get your whole gaming group together and everybody's going to, you know, chip in. And we're not talking like, you know, the cost of, uh, you know, a latte grande at Starbucks. Right. Uh, the, some of these maps, the, the longest it's taken me is 300 hours of work. Damn. Uh, that's the Witcher map. I just did a Wheel of Time map that was uh, 200 hours. Uh, Ancelon, Sword Coast, uh, Game of Thrones, those are usually around 100, 150 hours of work. 
So just to give people a perspective of how it's done, it's all done by hand. Uh, so it's, uh, it's, it, it takes a while. Um, very, very, you know, maybe impressive. if your DM is your wife, yeah, then you, could, maybe uh, you might love them enough. Maybe. Right. Or if maybe. it's your husband, you can, you can spend his money for a gift that he'll like. <laughs> or your own, or your own, but, yeah, but, or your own. but might as well spend somebody else's. If yeah. You it's all one account anyway. Right. So come on. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, Eric, for the, for the. For the host. Oh, thank you, startups. man. Really, I, I, I appreciate it. Yes, it was. And you are certainly welcome back whenever you want to come back. How about tomorrow? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I probably got my well, niece over tomorrow, so unless you want to talk to an eight-year-old who's going to be nine soon. Um, you, you probably don't want me talking to an eight-year-old. Uh, she will learn some things she shouldn't. She's already learned things she shouldn't have. All right, and, and here I'll, I'll I'll give you the I'll give you the quick story before I I log off. My niece was probably three. I get a mm -hmm. phone call at work. I'm I was I was working at the time. I'm at my desk. Cell phone goes, and I see it's my sister. I'm like, she never calls during the day. All right, Matt, what's up? Oh, no, how's work? I'm like, it's fine. Do you know what your goddaughter did? I went, oh, this can't be good. If it's my goddaughter, it can't be. It, it, that's how you're telling, not what your niece did, what your goddaughter did, which means that obviously I screwed up. I was like, no, no, what did she do? She was on the swings in the backyard, and then she tried to get off, and she kind of fell and landed on her knees, and she went, ouch, fuck. <laughs> okay? And I asked her, what was that? She goes, ouch, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, really? And it's because where did you learn that? Uncle. Fuck. <laughs> so I had to wrap my brain. She I didn't even need a lineup to pick you out of. No, no. And she, it may be, she, actually, she might have been like two and a half. She was just learning, you know, to, to get her words. And uh, I was like, oh, shit. And I figured out what I did. I had taken her for a walk when she was visiting. She loved to see the train. So we we have a pedestrian overpass, but a Long Island Railroad. So I, I took her there. And these stairs are horrible. They've been around for, since like the 1950s. They're cement, where cement is worn away or weathered away. And I was wearing my sandals, teasers, and shorts when I scraped one of my feet, my toes, on the underneath of like one of these stairs. And I went, ouch, fuck. And my niece looked at me, and I went, uh, you know what? Don't say that word. It, it, it has to be appropriate. She waited three and a half weeks for the appropriate time to drop, ouch, fuck. Uh, so uh, that, 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 that. She used, smart, she used it, she like used it properly. Yeah, she, no, I, I was impressed by that. Right, you should be proud. And then, when then, like a month later, when I, you know, claimed that she passed gas and not me, she went bullshit, Uncle. And I went, I didn't teach you that one. <laughs> awesome! It wasn't me this time. I know who this was. My brother-in-law. All right, <laughs> good. So <laughs> that's hilarious. Uh, yeah. On uh, on on that total non-gaming, uh, non-geekdom. Uh, story, uh, folks. We're gonna bid you all good night, or uh, if you're listening in the morning, I guess later. 
whatever. Yep. We'll see you later. Yep. Uh, As always, be safe, be well, God bless for all those dice. And manana.